in my heart and my life this week. I, I recently watched these two documentaries by Darren Wilson, Furious Love and Finger of God, where uh, God's miraculous uh, power was just displayed with healing and with, and with people experiencing his great love. And I just received this amazing revelation of God's true agenda is not to get people to convert to religion, but to show how much he really loves them, how much he truly cares, and what he's done for us on the cross. And I just, I just realize that everything that we have, that we do in this life needs to be motivated by love. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, starting in verse 1, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. So this morning, I just want to encourage all of you to love God and to love each other and love other people with all of your hearts. Father, right now, I just lift up this time of worship. I just pray in the name of Jesus for your presence to be here so thick and manifest for everyone to feel your great love for us, God. I pray that the hearts in this room would be touched by how much you love us, Lord Jesus. We ask this in your name. Amen. Hallelujah. Just lift up your hands right now in this place. Come on, lift up your hands. We've come here to worship. We've come here to give him praise. Are you ready to do that this morning? I said, are you ready to do that this morning? Well, let's just start right now. We don't have to wait for the band to kick in. We don't have to wait for a loud, resounding sound. Just start lifting up your voice in this place. Say, hallelujah. Come on, church. Come on, church. This is what a worship leader should do. Lead you to worship. Hallelujah, Jesus. It's so good. Come on, everybody. Lift up your hands. Lift up your voice. Praise the King of Kings. Is he not worthy of your praise? Is he not worthy? Did he not take your sins away? Hallelujah, Jesus. You're so good. You're so good to me. We exalt your mighty name. When I count to three, I want to hear the loudest shout. You can, you can shout. Are you guys ready? Are you guys up this morning? Are you guys ready? One, because he's good to you. Two, because he is worthy. One, two, three, shout praise. Shout praise. Hallelujah. The world shaking with the love of God. Break, heavens come to earth. And all you ever do is change the old for new.
morning And all you ever do Is change the old for new People weep Come on, lift up your hands and say God is bigger than The air I breathe The world will leave And God will save the day It's bigger than the air I breathe. The world will live, and God will save the day, and all will see my glorious for the time. Come on, church, lift up a shout of praise in this place. We love you, Lord. With a lover. Come on, you sing it. And all you ever do is change the old for new. Jump and sing it. And I will sing my glorious. Come on, wave those hands. Say, God is bigger than the air I breathe. The world will live. And God will save the day. And I will sing. Glorious, my 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 glorious. Come on, just you, just the voice of singing God.
glorious King seated at the right hand of the Father. Oh Lord, oh Lord, on my behalf, you have set the captives free, Jesus. No longer a slave to sin, but free, free. Come on, if you're free, shout. If you're free, praise. We love you, Lord. 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 My glorious, my glorious, my glorious. My glorious, my glorious, my glorious, my glorious, my glorious. Jesus, you're so good. There was a time when I was uh, so alone, I felt. It was a moment right after my wife lost our two twins in her womb. You know, I felt like no one could understand me, no one could hear me, no one could know what I was going through, what my wife and I were going through. You know, to miscarry two, two lives. Who can fathom, who can understand my pain I felt? No one, no one, no one gets it. And I started to say, Lord, why, why? Why, how can this happen? How so much hurt, how so much pain, why? What are you doing, God? And I just heard the Lord say, just sing to me. (laughs) Just sing to me. So I started singing a song of praise to him. And in my praise, there was healing. In my praise, there was salvation for my weary soul. In my praise, there was joy again. In my praise, there was happiness again. Hallelujah. I don't know what you're going through today. But let me tell you, if you praise him, if you lift up your voice, if you shout praises to the king, Your freedom, your joy, your salvation will come. Hallelujah. I can testify to that today. Glory, Jesus. The devil is under our feet. He is a a defeated foe in Jesus' name. And you have victory. You have victory in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. The enemy's been defeated. Death couldn't hold you down. We're gonna lift our voice in victory. We're gonna make our praises loud. The enemy's been defeated. Death couldn't hold you down. We're gonna lift our voice in victory. We're gonna make our praises. Come on, make them loud this morning. Make your praises loud. The enemy's been defeated. 
death couldn't hold you down we're gonna lift our voice in victory we're gonna make our praises loud the enemy's been defeated death couldn't hold you down we're gonna lift our voice in victory we're gonna make our praises come on make them loud today hallelujah jesus you're so good so sweet <laughs> say the enemy's been defeated and death couldn't hold you down we're gonna lift our voice in victory we're gonna make our praises loud the enemy's been defeated death couldn't hold you down we're gonna lift our voice in victory we're gonna make our praise one more time the enemy's been defeated death couldn't hold you down we're gonna lift our voice in victory we're gonna make our praises loud shout out to god with the voice of triumph shout out to god with the voice of praise shout out to god with the voice of triumph we lift your name up we lift your name up shout out to god with the voice of triumph shout out to god with the voice of praise Shout out to God with the voice of triumph. We lift your name up. We lift your name up. Shout out to God with the voice of triumph. Shout out to God with the voice of praise. Shout out to God with the voice of triumph. We lift your name up. We lift your name up. Shout out to God with the voice of triumph. Shout out to God voice of praise. Shout out to God with the voice. We lift your name up. We lift your name up. I see a lot of people out here lifting up their hands. I see a lot of people out here shouting and praising. But there's beauty and unity. So all together, every one of us, there's nobody here that's rogue or by themselves. We're going to shout praises. Amen. When I count to three, we're going to blow the roof off this place. One. Two. you we exalt you God we lift up your name Jesus we lift up your name Lord say the enemy the enemy's been defeated death couldn't hold you down we're gonna lift our voice in victory we're gonna make our praises the enemy's been defeated death couldn't hold you I want you to think of the time where you thought you were defeated, where you thought that you were down in the dumps and there was no hope for you. Hallelujah. But then Jesus came. Hallelujah. Just think about those times right now. I think we have time for at least one testimony. Is that okay? Hallelujah. Can somebody come up here, testify quickly of one of those moments in your life? I'm just going to step back. You come grab the mic. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, God is good. Today, 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 this very day, my mother passed away two years ago. And because of that, I was truly broken. But then I 
picked myself up and I asked God to come and to stay with me and he never left me because I felt a blanket of the Holy Spirit just wrapped around me and when I came because I was just off no one doesn't come with instructions to lose a mother but I then stood up and I rejoiced and I made her funeral a place of salvation for those that were lost because three months before she passed she accepted Jesus Christ and she had been living as a Catholic in the lives of the devil praising saints that weren't needed to be praised so I thank God for that and I thank the Lord today for this special service for me for lifting up my heart today in this day so just celebrate that Jesus is good he's always good and never miss that opportunity if you're lost to accept them into your heart. He will make you new. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on, give him praise. Give him praise. Hallelujah. We exalt you, Lord. We lift you up, God. God, we just want to be in your presence, Lord. Everyone just close their eyes right now and in your mind's eye, just imagine the presence of God. Him surrounding you with his love. Hallelujah. With his glory. Hallelujah, Jesus. Now just lift up your hands and embrace the love of the Father. You are so good, Lord. You're beautiful. You're wonderful, God. Everlasting Father. There's joy in your presence. There's freedom in life. And that's where I want to be. That's where I want to be, God. Where you cleanse me. Where you wash me, Lord. In your presence forever. In your presence forever. It's your presence, Lord, that I miss. You blow me away. You blow me away. You blow me away. You blow me away.
Lift up your hands and sing. up your praise right now is the time right now is the time don't wait for an inkling don't wait for a push don't wait for a move you move you move you praise hallelujah you break through jesus jesus
we believe in the giftings here. If you have a word, spit it out. If you have a word from God, shout it out. Hallelujah. Now is the time. worship you in this place we give you glory honor and praise God we know that you're here we acknowledge that you're here Holy Spirit your word says that when the body of believers gathers together you are there you are here you are among us Lord and Lord now we take this opportunity to ask for our nation, Lord. We lift up this nation to you. God, it's so far from you. A nation that was once established upon your word by men and women of God of, who prayed, dear God, who stood in the gap for people. God, it's so far from you. We ask that in your wrath, Lord, you would remember mercy. 
Lord, as our nation has turned to abortions, to homosexuality, to false religions, God, we asked that you would have mercy. We plead the blood of Jesus over this nation. We plead the blood of Jesus over America. Come on, we're going to do some spiritual warfare right now for America. I want you to lift up your voices and I want you to cry out. Come on, press in. Come on, we pray in the spirit here. We believe that God hears us right now. Come on. That holiness and righteousness would be upheld once again in our government, that our presidents, come on, that our senators and our congressmen would fear God once again, that our mayors would fear the Lord God Almighty. Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. Have mercy. Oh, Nancy, I want you to come up here and I want you to ask God for this nation that He would pour out His Spirit once again. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. We lift up America to you, God. She belongs to you, Lord. Pour out your Holy Spirit. I pray that we would get back to the Bible, God. That we would come back to you, Jesus. America was founded on your word, on the principles of freedom. I ask God for freedom in our land again. I ask God for the fear of the Lord to be in our government again. We bind up the spirit of corruption, the spirit of atheism over this land, God. And we ask Jesus, that your blood be poured out. America belongs to you, Jesus. I pray, Lord God, that you would send revival. Let it begin with the youth of our nation. Send revival to our high schools, God. Send revival to our high schools. They cannot take out the power of God. They can remove prayer. They can remove the Bible. But we cannot remove the power of the Holy Ghost to flow through our classrooms for you to pour out on the youth of our nation so the gospel could be spread. Oh God, have mercy on America. Have mercy on America, Jesus. We ask for the power of God, for the wind of the Holy Spirit to blow over our land again. In Jesus' mighty name, bring healing, healing to our land. Amen. Jared, if you could please come up here. You would pray for the men and women of God of this nation, that we would stand for righteousness, that pastors, evangelists, prophets would fear God and preach the gospel uncompromised. Father, uh, Lord, we, re- we repent as the church, God, the condition of our country spiritually and morally, God, the murder rates in our city. There's 20,000 plus churches in our city, and we have the highest murder rate. And God, something's very wrong. Um, and Lord, you said judgment would begin with the house of God. It would begin with us. And, and, and God, we're held accountable. We have your truth. We have the gospel. Lord, you've saved us with a glorious salvation, God, and there's a world dying without us. 
and we take it for granted. Father, I lift up the church as a whole. I pray that Christians will wake up. There are men and women today that are called into your service. They're called to be radicals. They're called to be world changers, and they're not doing it. And there's some folks that are called to be world changers, and they're in their sin right now, and we need to reach them as the church. Father, we pray in Jesus' name that your church will love holiness. Lord, that that you separate, God, those who are your people and those who are not, God. You know who are yours, and everyone who turns to you and calls your name must renounce evil, God. We pray against the impurity and immorality and the hypocrisy of the church. We pray for holiness, God. We pray for a broken heart. We pray we will be people of prayer. The average Christian prays five minutes a day. The average pastor, seven. We pray to be people of prayer. Only 2% of Christians evangelize. We pray to be people who will preach the word with urgency. Give your people a vision of you, a vision of your glory, a vision of heaven, a vision of hell, a vision of eternity that will change them. Our focus is off. The things we, we admire and value are off, and it's not of your kingdom. We don't need more marriage seminars, God. We need the Holy Ghost and fire. We need your word. We need your truth. God, help us. Wake up your church. Have mercy on your church and change your church to be light in this nation again. In Jesus' name. Amen. Ishmael, I want to ask you if you could please lift up our government. Heavenly Father, over 200 years ago, we made... Our motto, in God we trust. So many other choices we could have made, but we chose you. Lord God, and it feels like ever since that day, there's been decay in our trust in you. Ever since that day, we chose to say, in God we trust. A piece of our trust has been broken off. Jesus, I pray for this nation and the governors of this nation, God. The first thing they did was pray. The first thing they did was ask for your sovereignty, Lord. They trusted in your sovereignty. They knew that this experiment called America was something new. And that only you, if you were the center of it, if only you were the center of it, it could work. It could work. Lord God, and now we see from the top down, from the presidency, Lord God, to local officials and governors, Lord God, that we've forgotten that. We've forgotten that. Remind us again. Remind us, God. Put it in our hearts, Lord. Put it in their hearts, God. We pray for President Obama, Vice President Biden, Lord. You love them. You love them. Change their hearts, God. Change their mind, God, to only focus on you, Lord, to hear from you how to govern. Father God, we pray for our governors. God, so many corrupt governors, Lord. Lord God, no wonder we're in the state we're in. No wonder, God, men are so corrupt, God. Their inclination is only to do evil. God, change America, God. And like my brother Jared said, where is the church, God? Here we are, God. We're praying, Lord. Start with us, God. Start with us, Lord. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Amen. We're going to sing this song one more time. As we ask God to blow us away, come on, to blow us away in this nation, that unbelievers would see God, that they would be blown away by the power of God, by the mercy of God, by his love. 
We're going to sing this song one more time. And as you sing it, I want you to imagine your children growing up in this nation now as it is. I want you to imagine your children growing up in a nation that doesn't fear God. Imagine your children being desensitized to all the sin and wickedness of this world. Ask God now to come now. Ask him to blow us away now that his presence would be so strong and so thick in this city, in this nation. Come on, let's sing it one more time. Where your glory is, I want to be. Where your beauty is, I want to see. Where your scars are upon, I lay kiss. Cause it's your presence, Lord, that I miss. Where your glory is, I want to be. Where your beauty is, I want to see. Where your scars are born, I lay a kiss. Cause it's your presence, Lord, that I everybody said amen give the Lord a hand of praise come on he is good I want to ask you to please take your seat right now my name is Griselda I'm the campus pastor here along with my husband good morning it's good to have you all here I would like to take this time to share the message of Jesus Christ with you in John 3 3 Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. If you and I want to see God's kingdom, we have to be born again on the inside. The reason that we're not alive on the inside is because of sin. Sin has entered into our lives and has caused us to be far from God. The Bible says that in this state, we cannot receive eternal life. It doesn't matter if you're in this place and you think to yourself, well, I'm a good person. I take care of my family. I help the poor. No, no, no. See, that's not what God said. 
You and I, we all have sin on the inside of us. I want you to ask yourself this question. Have you ever told a lie? The answer is probably yes. The Bible calls us liars. Have you ever looked at someone with lustful thoughts? The Bible calls us adulterers. Have you ever put anything before God? The Bible says that we are idolaters if we have done that. You see, once we measure up to God's word, we're not so good anymore. One day you and I will meet the king. And every excuse that we have here in this earth, it's not going to happen. It's not going to be good enough. Jesus says, if you want to enter my kingdom, you have to be born again. Something has to change from the inside out. All your external works, going to church, being a good person doesn't matter. There is a place called hell for those who don't come to Christ. There is a place called hell for those who rejected Jesus Christ and the work that he did on the cross for us. See, in hell, there's a place of torment where there's the absence of God. There is no peace. There is no love. There is no hope in hell. There's a place where people cry out night and day, God, help me. But they cry out to a God that will never hear them because he chooses not to hear them. They've rejected his son. If you're in this place and you don't have Jesus Christ and you know that you're not right, if you were to be judged today, you'd be on your way to hell. There's good news for you. Come on. There is good news for you. The Bible says in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. If you put your faith in him, if you trust him, if you call on the name of Jesus, you shall be saved. Amen? Amen. You might say it's too hard to live a Christian life. The devil is a liar. It's not too hard. 1 John 3, 9 says, No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in you. He cannot go on sinning because he has been born of God. When you leave here after accepting Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit goes with you. Amen? The Holy Spirit that will lead you, that will guide you, that will convict you of sin. Amen? And the Bible says that greater is he that is in you than he who is in this world. He will strengthen you. Amen? I want you to stand up to your feet with me, please. And right now at this time, we're going to do our confession of faith. Here at Metro Praise, this is what we believe. And on the count of three, I want you to say that with me. If something in this message or in this confession of faith has touched your heart and you know that you're not right with God, we have a couple in the back, David and Monica, who want to pray with you. Amen. On the count of three, we're going to read this. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Father who so loved the world, the Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible, 
that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers. I, I believe in the united church of Jesus Christ built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Give the Lord a hand. Come on, give him some praise. Right now, if you know that you're not right with Jesus Christ, I want to invite you, go back there and talk to David and Monica, and they want to pray with you that today you would receive salvation and get involved in our discipleship program, amen? Somebody wants to mentor you on how to live for Jesus, amen? I'm gonna pray, Lord God, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the blood that was shed for each and every person in this room and the entire world. I pray that today, these people in this room would receive your salvation, that faith would arise inside of them. Faith would say, I believe in you, God Almighty, and I believe in the sacrifice that you made for me. I pray that today people would stop hiding and running from discipleship, Lord, that boldness would arise inside of them and would say, God, I want what you have for me, Lord. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Why don't you greet your neighbor right now? Amen. moments greet one another god bless you welcome welcome tell somebody else you love them amen and amen as you begin to make your way back to your seats slap somebody high five and say welcome to metro praise Come on, make sure everybody gets a high five today. 
so good to see everybody here in the house of God as the band comes back. We're going to give you some good announcements as the band comes back. We're going to give you some good announcements. How many enjoyed Ishmael, the rock star for Jesus today? Hey, man, it was just like boom. It was like welcome to Glory Town. It was like, welcome to Glory Town, USA. I love that about you, bro. Thank you so much for that. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, we just want to just thank you for coming today to Metro Praise. This is our church service every Sunday at 10 a.m. As you can see, God is filling up the building. We even have some new babies today getting dedicated. One of them's crying, but they won't be crying anymore. Okay, there he goes. Oh, I was just going to pray for him. He's not getting dedicated today. That's your baby. He's already been uh, dedicated. But uh, God is so good to us. Today's a baby dedication day. Can everybody say amen? Amen. Amen. So I'm just going to ask that to our mothers and fathers, parents, godparents, anybody that's here on behalf of the baby dedication, would you all come forward, please? Would you give them a hand clap as they come? They're bringing their families before God. We'll have the Montez family stand over here. We'll have the Wairostic Matsaris family stand over here. My wife's used to the stage. She's going on the stage. Nancy, can you come off the stage for me, please? We're going to do this differently because we got a bunch of them. So anybody else for the Montez family, come join them. Anybody else for the Griselda, Goivea family, Rubio, and Matsaris, come join them. And then would you stay on the floor and face me today? We, all wanna, we won't all fit on the stage. That's why. I'm going to call each one of you individually to come. But before we call individual families to come, would everybody here just open up their Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20. I want to give you the scripture or reference for why we're doing this. And can we spread out a little bit? Everybody can fit up at the stage, please. Please, uh, uh, let's spread out just a little bit. Let's spread out just a little bit. Make it Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19. That will be a little better. The reason why we do baby dedication instead of baby baptism is because baby Baptism is an incorrect theology that got passed down. Baby baptism is trying to say we're baptizing the child because they've professed Christ like a Christian. But a baby can't profess Christ, nor can they confess their sins. So somebody may ask, well, what about the child if it dies? Because this is the heart of what we're doing. We want to make sure our children are covered by God. Can somebody say amen? And... The idea was, well, if we baptize them and they should die, they'll be covered by God. But there's an incorrect theology about that, and I want you to see why. And then it will tell us why we're doing what we're doing today. If you're in Matthew chapter 19, verse 13, can you say, I'm there? Thank you. It says, then little children were brought to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked those who brought them. Okay, so Jesus is walking around, and everybody starts bringing their children and starts saying, Jesus, pray for my child, like little baby Lucas there, like Evan, like John David. Here, pray for my child, Jesus. And Jesus was praying for the children. But as the crowds got bigger and bigger and bigger, the disciples, the ones that were closest to Jesus, began to tell the parents, 
Now, now, look, the master's busy. He's, he's got to preach. He, he don't have time to bless your children. Just go about your way. We'll just put a prayer out there for you sometime tonight when we get home and have some dinner. And Jesus heard that they were not prioritizing children and that they were actually shooing the children away. And then he makes this statement which corrects bad theology about baby baptism and teaches us the good theology about children. Everybody say, God loves the little children. Red and yellow, black and white. They are all precious in his sight. Amen. Jesus loves all the little children of the world. Look at verse 14. Jesus said, let the children come. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. So if I could see my little baby Lucas, just as an example, because I'm not going to try to hold somebody else's right now. Is he sleeping? Good morning. The Bible says, see, I get to show off today. You guys want to show off in just a little bit, but I, I'm the pastor dedicated today. Uh, here, here God was saying the kingdom of God already belongs to this one. I want you to get that in your heart. We don't have to baptize them. We don't have to do religious things for them. They're already covered. If anything should happen to them, they will be with God forever. Amen? Amen? Now, when you get to be a teenager, you better choose Jesus, young people. Okay? Because you live in crazy. You, teenagers will bust hell wide open. Okay? So, teenagers, you better stay choosing Jesus. Amen? But when you are a child, they belong to him. And all he did is he placed his hand on them. Baby, uh, mama, will you take the, my baby mama? That's what I'm trying to say. Take the baby. Thank you. Verse 15, when he placed his hands on them, he went from there. So today, what we're going to do is we're going to imitate what Jesus did. So can I call David Montez with uh, John David to come stand here? And then the family, would you guys kind of just try to stand behind them like you got their back? And then I'm actually going to come on the floor and look up at you guys and show them off right here for everybody to see. Come on, hold them up. Let everybody see. Oh, come on. John David. He belongs to the Lord. Amen. And I believe you have your mom and dad. You have some uncles here or uh, sister. Sister. Okay. And another sister. And then godparents. Amen. What the Bible commands us to do as the family is to raise and support him in the things of God. So grandparents continue to spoil him, love him. But also remember to teach him the ways of God. Godparents, what that simply is saying, if anything happens to them, you're going to continue on the tradition of the parents. And then now the aunts, just love on them and just take good care of them. Make sure his hair stays spiky. Keep him out of trouble. And then to the parents. Just want to encourage you. I know this is your firstborn, firstborn child, firstborn male child. There's just a lot to be proud of here. You guys are so awesome. Monica doesn't even look like she's had a child, so ladies don't hate, celebrate. It's okay. We're all trying to be like this couple. There's always a couple in the church. You just try to be like on the inside. You don't want to say it, but you know you mean. We all just, anyways, this, this is the Ken and Barbie of the church. And look how cute this guy is. He's the next in line. Yes, you are. Yeah, okay. And so just remember what the Bible says to raise God and the fear and admonition of the Lord. And that means that John David should understand that if he breaks rules, he gets in trouble. But if he does good things, he gets punished.
blessed. And that's what the Bible is asking you to do. So we're just going to pray for you now. Let's all stretch our hands towards this beautiful family as I go and just lay my hand on this precious child. And God, parents, if you want to come and lay your hands on the parents here, we'll just come in agreement. Father, we thank you today for John David Montez. We ask that you bless him and that you make him a strong man of God, that you protect him all the days of his life. Keep him healthy and safe, Father. We pray, Lord, that Monica and David will not succumb to the pressures and stresses of being a parent in the 21st century, but rather, Lord, they will seek you for strength. And in their imperfections, they'll come to you for forgiveness because no one is perfect, God. But there, Lord, correct and guide them to be the best parents they can be. And we just pray that you'll bless every parent, grandparent, God, uh, godparent, grandparent, aunts, Father, that they would support what the what David and Monica, the mom and dad, are doing in the precious name of Jesus. And Lord, we know their significance in names, and we pray he will be a John, the beloved, going after your heart, and a David, a mighty man of God, a warrior for you. In Jesus' name, can everybody say blessed? Amen. Let's just bless the Montez family today. God bless you. You may return to your seat. We have a certificate for you. You guys can take pictures if you want while we're continuing on. We're going to have the Rubio and, and Govea family come forward. You guys come on up here. Amen. You guys may be seated. Thank you. We have a certificate for you in the back. Would you get it for them, uh, Ellie? Thank you so much. Let's give it up for the Montez family one more time. Amen. If we're, doing a, if we're doing a popularity contest, we know who won today. <laughs> Amen. Look at baby Evan. You heard from the preaching uh, wife today. Isn't it awesome that she is a woman and preaches? Can we get up for Griselda? Amen. Berto, also a preacher. But they have been given a blessing, baby Evan. And what God is saying to you families, it's going to be the same thing I'm saying to every family today, but just specifically... Because of the call upon Griselda and Berto, they're in ministry and they are raising a family and working a job on the side. Can you imagine all of those responsibilities rolled up into one? And what we need to do is just pray and lift them up and believe God that he'll supply their needs financially and that he will protect them. And this is what I've always believed, because even though I'm young with spiky hair family, I believe in old school values. This is what I mean by this. If the worst thing Evan has to say is I shared a bed with three of my brothers, but he grew up with the same mom and dad, no alcohol, no drugs, would that not be a good testimony for him? Yes. So many times we look at having money, having big buildings, but you two have taken almost the vow of poverty to be in ministry. And I want the congregation to hear that because that's what we need to pray for is that God supplies the needs. But here is the heart. The heart isn't the Kardashians make happy families. If you look at reality TV, happy families don't come from money and big houses. I'm still old school like that, Govez, Berto, and Griselda. I'm still old school to believe that a happy family starts right now in the heart. And I'm asking this family to support them and their call and to raise them. We know you're going to be great grandparents. You're going to be great uncles and aunts. We believe that and know that. But would you help support them in prayer so that they could fulfill the call of God that this little baby right here, baby Evan, would be strong. And as he's the preacher's kid, that he wouldn't become a bad preacher's kid, but he would live for Jesus. Amen. Amen. 
Praise the Lord. Let's just stretch our hands and pray for baby Evan. Lord, we bless baby Evan. Oh, what a precious life he is, Father God. We just pray, Lord, that he will grow up strong to always know you to love you, to honor you. God, we pray for the extended family and the immediate family that are up here. We pray that they will surround Berto and Griselda like a shield to protect them from the stress and pressures that they face. Being in ministry, not having a lot, but going, God, where you tell them to go, doing what you tell them to do. We pray that there would not be one thing lacking in this young man's life, but he would grow up healthy and strong, fulfilling his purpose Lord, we thank you for the Goveas and Rubios, Lord, that are here today to support this. Bless him in Jesus' name. And everybody said, blessed. Come on, let's bless the Lord for the Goveas and baby Evan today. Mighty man of God, God bless you. I'm going to ask that Ricky would come. I'm going to give him the honors of blessing my family. Let's give it up for Ricky Rivera. Come on. Amen. Ricky Rivera is a little injured right now. I believe we got to call him, what, lefty? Is that your left arm? We got to call you lefty. And don't feel sorry for him. He didn't do it doing anything great or heroic. He, he injured himself while jet skiing in the Philippines. So everybody go, oh, God bless you. We feel sorry for you. But be nice to us now, okay? Amen, amen. We want to bless Lucas. He's a first boy, right? Amen. So that's uh, something exciting, special, for, I'm sure, for Pastor Joe, having a boy in the family. Uh, I'm not sure if you get him into sports or anything, but I could help out with that. I could help out. But uh, basically, we just want to bless. Um, these are our pastors, amen? These are our pastors, and we should uh, support them in every way. Yes. Uh, support them in prayer, especially. Always keep um, our pastors in prayer. And so let's keep the family in prayer, that they will grow up with Hannah, Bethany, that uh, pray for them, that they'll grow up to be mighty women of God and good sisters to Lucas, amen? And so we pray for Lucas, that he'll be a preacher man like his uh, father, amen? That he'll do, my prayer is that he'll do greater things than Pastor Joe, that he'll carry on the legacy of Metro praise, and we might not see the vision fulfilled in our lifetime, but maybe in Lucas, amen? Maybe his generation will see the goal of 100,000, 500 churches, 550 here in the city, amen? Wouldn't that be awesome? And so let's pray for Lucas and, you know, Hannah, Bethany, that they'll do great things for God, that they'll carry on the legacy, that they'll see disciples made, that he'll have the heart that Pastor Joe and Nancy have, amen? A heart after God that will want to see great things for the city, that will want to see souls saved, that will want to see the nations come to the Lord, and that'll be awesome. So let's pray for them right now. Hallelujah. Father God, Lord, we pray for Lucas right now that he'll be a mighty man of God, that he'll see the example of Pastor Joe and Nancy, Lord, that they will see how much they love you, Jesus, and so that he will follow in the footsteps of his parents, oh God. Jesus, bless him. I pray that you will protect him, oh God, that you will guard his heart, Lord, and that, Lord, as he grows up, God, that he would not fall into the, the temptations, oh God, that society would bring to him, Lord, but that, Lord, he'll be surrounded by your mighty angels, oh God, that, Lord, he'll resist temptation, Lord, Father, and that, Lord, he would just be that mighty man of God that you would use, oh God, to change the world, oh God, to change nations, oh Lord. Lord, you have a plan for his life, oh God, and so, Lord, Pastor Joe and Nancy, they, they trust you, oh Father God, with Lucas, Lord, 
that, Lord, you would do great things through him, oh God. And we pray for Pastor Joe and Nancy as they have a family, Lord, with Lucas, Lord, that you will continue to give them the wisdom that they need, oh God, the, the patience, the strength, oh God, as they carry on the load, oh God, of just leading this church, oh God, leading the nations, oh Lord, just all the pressures that come with that, oh God. We just pray for your peace that transcends all understanding to be upon them, oh Father God, and that, Lord, you would always provide for their every need, oh God, that, Lord, you would just continue to use them to be just great parents, oh God, first, oh God, and just just great examples, oh God, of what a mighty man and a woman of God should be like, God, that their children, oh God, Hannah and Bethany, Lord Lucas, they would all, oh Father God, be Father God, just their hearts, oh God, chasing after yours, oh Lord. We pray that this family would be a godly family that would just touch everybody's family, oh God, everybody's life in this church, and everybody that knows them, oh God, that it would just be a blessing to all of us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. How many just love families? Amen. Aren't families the thing that drive us the craziest but also bring us the most joy? Amen. So you know why sometimes family drives us the craziest? Because the devil tries to come into the place that brings us the most joy. He's not dumb. He's smart. So always pray and guard your family. Amen. Amen. We want to thank you for being here. This is our Sunday morning, 10 a.m. service. We have Wednesday Bible study midweek every Sunday at 7, uh, Wednesday at 7 o'clock. And uh, the last Wednesday of every month is our family fun night. Everybody say family fun night. Family fun thank night. you. Family fun night this month, July 25th, is All Nations Dinner. So come out last Wednesday of the month, July 25th, 7 o'clock, and bring a dish from your country to somewhere that you just came from or your family came from, and we're going to have a buffet. And if you don't want to bring any food, just bring an appetite. Somebody say, mmm. Come on, bring an appetite. And then elevate. Amen. Elevate every Friday at 7.30. Elevators elevate. Come on, y'all weak this morning. I'm going to give you one more chance, man. I'm going to give you one. I know I got my front row right here, but there's some in the back. There's some over here. I'm going to give elevators one more chance. Elevate. There we go. That's what I'm talking about. Every Friday night, 7.30, right here. Come with your friends. Bring them all here. Teenagers, 11 to 18. Exciting, exciting things going on this summer. Come this Friday. God will show up. At Metro Praise, our vision is to love God and love people. Everybody say, love God and love people. We have been a church for seven years, and we invite you to join with us following Jesus' greatest commands to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. Everybody say, it's all about love. Amen. And we believe you can do this by connecting to the cross, being taught the cross, and sent out with the cross. The way we connect, everybody say, connect. Thank you. The way we connect is to life groups. Is anybody here excited about life groups in this house this morning? Come on, y'all need to get up a little bit. Anybody excited? Ben, help me out. About life groups. Amen. Life groups are home Bible studies meeting every week with food, fun, and fellowship. You can find life groups meeting probably in an area by you in a time that's most convenient for you. We want you to connect to these life groups. Come, fellowship, have something to eat, and do the Bible studies. And that place, I begin, you'll know that you're connected to God and to his church. Somebody say mentor. 
Thank you. We don't do membership here. We do discipleship. If you want to be a part of our church, join the life group. And then there, ask one of the life group leaders, one of the teachers there, to go through this Bible study with you individually, one-on-one. This is how we raise up disciples in our church, one-on-one, seven lessons. You can get it free online or purchase it in the back. And then after you graduate that, then there is a class on leadership, how to be a world changer, history maker, and a roof breaker for Jesus. He has called us to make disciples of the nations and we want you to join with us connect to a life group there get a mentor to mentor you and then everybody say send come on say it like you mean it send send out to change the world if you've been taught and you've been connected to God can't you go out and touch others lives touch your neighbor right now come on just touch your neighbor see you're touching a life right now now I could say slap your neighbor upside the head that would hurt Or I could say, give your neighbor a back rub. That would feel good. You already can touch somebody's life. We want to send you out to touch them with the glory of God. We believe you can do it. And if we do it here all together, we can see 100,000 disciples in this city with 50 campuses here, 500 around the world. If you believe we can do it, stand to your feet. Come on. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise and say, let's do it. Hallelujah. Amen. Now I want everybody to turn to the right, which would be this way. Face this way. Everybody turn to the right. Right now, put your books down, your Bibles, and begin to give your neighbor a 30-second shoulder rub right now. Come on. <laughs> loosen up. Tell your neighbor, loosen up. Come on, loosen up. Loosen up. Welcome to a church that loves neighbors. Come on, y'all can get it. Come on, 10 more seconds. Yours is coming. Don't worry, yours is coming if you're on an edge. All right, now turn around. And face the other way and give them a shoulder rub right now. Come on, you can do it. You can do it. Just tell your neighbor, loosen up. It's only church. Come on, it's only church. Amen. You may be seated. It wasn't that good. It wasn't that good to be in church. Amen. Amen, amen. Will you open up your Bibles with me as we re- uh, prepare to receive our tithe and offering to Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4. Had to loosen you up before I put that bad boy on the screen. You're like, why are we doing that? Because we got some big stuff to deal with here. We had to get you loosened up here. We are in the milling right now of a mission fundraiser. We are raising mission money for Chicago and overseas. At the end of this month, we are sending one of our pastors to go to two parts of India and to meet with our leaders there. We have almost 200 churches there that use our books and our name, Metro Praise. You can find them online at our website under Revolution. We also need to clear out the debt from the things that we've been doing, mission work here. Every family fun night is free. Every youth event is free. We always have our events for free. The Boricua Fest, everything we did at Puerto Rican Fest was free. Everybody say free. Thank you. So we need to cover all of those expenses that we've been doing. And by the way, Wednesday nights... When we have the prayer meeting Bible study here, we also have Royal Rangers and Impact for boys and girls K through 5th, which is like uh, Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts for Jesus. All of that curriculum costs money, but we give it away to anybody who doesn't have it to pay. We do not ever turn anybody away for shekels. So this is what you're giving towards, missions, reaching out. Everybody say reaching out. Thank you. We are here to reach out, and we cannot do it by ourselves. The body has to come together. If you look at Genesis chapter 4, it's the story of Cain and Abel and the story of giving an offering and murder. It's one of the most intense stories at the beginning of the book. 
And I want to explain it to you quickly. Adam lay with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother Abel. And now Abel kept flocks. Cain worked the soil. What did Abel keep? Flocks. What did did Cain work? Soil. Okay, so one was working with the animals. Another one was planting vegetable gardens and uh, farming. Verse 3. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions, some from the firstborn. Everybody say firstborn. Thank you. Of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. And, And Ellie, would you please put the scripture up there, please? I want them to see this. Now... It says, but Cain, verse 5, on his offering did he not look with favor. As he puts up the verses, I want you to see this. Here God creates Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve begin to have children. Their children, one works the farm. Who worked the farm, y'all? Cain, who worked with the animals? Abel. They both bring stuff to God, and God says to one of them, I like what you did, but I don't like what you did. First principle we learn about giving. Not everything you put in the offering, God is happy for. See, this is I'm not a TV preacher, and I'm not trying to lie to you. I'm just reading the Bible. Are you all listening to me? Not everything you put in the offering is God up in heaven going, oh, right, come on, guys. We're just so happy. They're giving some stuff today. We didn't know how we were going to pay the light bills in heaven. Now we can. The offering is not for God. How many know God already has everything that he needs? The benefit, rather, I should say, is not for God. God already has everything he needs. The reason why we're giving offering is the benefit is to us. And if you fast forward all the way to Matthew, Jesus talks about money being the biggest master trying to take over your heart. So from the very beginning here when he's teaching offerings, what he's trying to do is break off that love of money. And the secret here, number one, is he doesn't accept everybody's offering. Number two is that the offering he wants is your best first fruit. Let me read it again so you can see it and maybe you'll catch it as you look closely for what was the difference between these two offerings. Verse 3, in the course of time, so a little while later after you know he had been farming for a while, Cain brought some of the fruits, just some of the fruits, of the soil as an offering to the Lord. So he said, I'm going to offer that to God. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The third thing that you see here is that the best comes first. The best comes first. God said in Matthew, Jesus said in Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you. I want to propose to you today the difference between Cain and Abel's offering. Abel brought the first. When he saw animals being born, he said, I'm taking these first animals, and I'm picking out the best of these, some of the best. God does obviously didn't want every one of them because then there would be no more for the next generation. So he takes a portion probably was a tithe, a portion, 10% of his best. Some may say firstborn of his best, and he brings them. Cain, on the other hand, he's farming, and time goes by, still doesn't get anything to the Lord. And then now you can imagine as a farmer, if you've ever been around farm or you go out to the country, uh, Ishmael and I went out and picked pumpkins and all of this during Halloween time, is you start to see in, in the, the farm things that are left over, that old, dirty old pumpkin that nobody wanted. 
we were like, oh, man, that might, might be what we got to get. You know what I'm talking about. Or we're going to go pick apples, and there's, like, some treats all cockeyed and bent over, and there's, like, one, like, apple with worms, and it's like, oh, my gosh. The impression that we're to get here is sometime later, and it not saying firstborn, is that Cain just kind of picked up that stuff that nobody really wanted, and he goes, I'm just going to give it to God. It's not like God's going to eat this apple anyway. I'm going to just put it over here. God goes, no, I ain't with that. You see, I'm not with that. Number one, not every offering is good to God. Number two, God wants your best. And number three, your best is your first. Come on, somebody say amen. I mean, this may not be preaching to what you want to hear today, but I believe it's what somebody needs to hear today. Can you say amen again? Amen. Keep going. Verse 6, then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why are you downcast? Look at your neighbor and just see if they're angry right now because they might get mad we're talking about this. Like, oh, no, I'm okay. Now, don't fake it. He's talking about money. These preachers, all they do is talk. Come on. You getting angry because we're talking about your offering? That's what God said. Well, you know, you getting angry, Cain? Why are you so angry? Look at verse 7. This is the ticket. This is where it's at. This is the secret that everybody can get into. Verse 7, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. What is it, the sin there? What is the sin that is crouching at his door like, wow? Like trying to just come out like all ninja and just hack him apart. What is that little sin that's hiding, would it not be the sin of greed? And how does greed sound? Well, there's two forms of greed. There is the poverty sound, and then there is the plenty sound. The one who has all the money and has plenty, greed sounds like this. I don't need to give. I've done all this myself. Nobody gave me anything. That pastor doesn't stand out there with me on the side of the road when I'm working construction. He doesn't go up there for 12 hours as I build roofs and do roofs. He's not there with me. I've got everything here because of my own work, pulling myself up from my own bootstraps. See, that's the sound of greed because greed is not recognizing the need to give to God. The other one in poverty. This is what poverty greed sounds like. Well, I don't got nothing. I don't have anything. Why should I give anything to the church? Church should be giving something to me. That's why I came here. I just want to get something. I don't have nothing. And if I come up there and give $2 and, you know, and they need $8,000, what's the point of me giving those $2? You know, God feels sorry for me. I, you know, God understands. He wrote this book, and, and it, it applies to everybody else but me because, you know, God, God understands that, you know, I don't have anything. Look at your neighbor and go, Pfft. come on, ain't nobody coming to your pity patty party. There's nobody coming to your pity patty party. See, greed comes in both phases. Somebody say master over it. You see, what happens in the church is that people have abused, have abused the subject of money, and I apologize for that. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't preach it. And just quickly, last scripture, Matthew 6, 24. Would you turn there with me? And then will we receive our tithes and offerings and whatever you would like to give. I'll explain it to you in 30 seconds. We don't need to go very long. I just wanted to encourage you today. Matthew 6, verse 24, fast forward to the New Testament. And by the way, what did Cain end up doing to Abel? Killed him. If you all don't know the story, let me just tell you. He got even more angry. 
And his anger came out on his brother. He beat him and killed him, all because of what? His greedy heart, because he was jealous that God had blessed his brother, even though God said, if you do it, I'll bless you. Oh, come on, somebody. Don't hate. Celebrate. Amen? If God's blessing somebody else, just look at that person and go, God did it again. That's your God. He'll do it for you. Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Hold on, Jesus. I thought sex was the biggest temptation we face in life. You can't serve God in sex. I thought violence. You can't serve God in violence. God, why is money there? I mean, money don't have a personality. Money's not that tempting. Come on, hardly any of us have it. Why did God choose money? You know why? Because he knows that money is the root to evil because money's what you do with all the other sinful things you want. It's how you do those sinful things. It's how you live out your sin. Money is you in control and choosing that destiny. And if you don't submit your desire for money and for gain to the Lord, just like with Cain, it will desire to have master over you. Cain, hey, why are you so angry? If you did what Abel did, I would bless you too. Be careful, Cain. Sin is crouching at your door. It wants to have mastery over you. Would you put up the slide, please? I just want to share this with you today. We are raising $16,000. You could almost put it in half. Half for what we do in Chicago, half of what we're doing now in India, Nepal, Pakistan, Nigeria, and the Philippines. As I said, the trip that we're now taking is to India. We're bringing the trip for Nepal there. We're asking you to partner with us to give. I said all of that so that whatever excuse you now have, you would bring it to the Lord and not to me. If God doesn't move on your heart to give, that's awesome. Then don't give. That's fine. But if you're having excuses of, oh, I have done this all myself. I shouldn't give to anybody else. Or you have the excuse, I don't have anything. That is greed, and it's crouching at your door. And you'll probably wonder in life why God is not blessing you and increasing you. And it's because he's not accepting that offering. He blesses, the Bible says, a cheerful giver. So what should you do today? Give your best and give the first. Put God first. I'm just asking even if there's genuine people in here today and you're saying, Pastor, man, I just don't have it. Would you pray for us? Would you pray for us? Would you be like, God, that's my church. I trust the leadership there. They're working on the west side. They're planning a campus in Wicker Park. They're touching the nations. I don't have anything to give. But, God, would you bless them? Would you supply their need? Would you pray for us like you mean it? Because we're not wasting our time nor your money here. We're going after God with everything we have. We have 8,000 left to go, but we've already raised over 7,800. Can we bless the Lord today? Amen. Come on. We're raising it for the month of July for a total of 16,000. This is how we do it in our church. We ask you to give your tithe to the Lord. That's 10% to God. That is what we need to operate our normal budget by. And then anything you want to offer above that to God. Would you circle building or missions? It's going to the same thing this month so we can knock out that debt. Would you stand to your feet with me today? As I said, I didn't need to talk about that very long, did I? I just wanted to tell you what the Bible said, amen? He can apply it to your life. You can also give online. 
And as I said, would you pray for us? Some of the monies that we need to do are paying off stuff from the last year even. And that's really what that last bit of finances is for, is paying off some debt here in this congregation. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for a church that hears your word. In just a few moments, we're going to give. But would you just check your heart right now? I'm going to check mine. I'm convicted. I just preached to myself. Would you just ask the Lord to search you and see if there's any greed in, in your life today? Any time that you've not put him first, you weren't faithful to give a tithe, or you, you didn't really take an offering opportunity serious, you just kind of brushed it off, would you be real honest with God right now? I just feel convicted. I'll be honest with you. I don't always do that. Just a few moments. God, show us who we are on the inside when it comes to money. It's crouching at our door, God. This culture, God, has corrupted the way we look at it at our priorities, God, realign us. Oh, Jesus, forgive us for the times that we haven't put you first in our money. When we've put Starbucks, McDonald's, the cable, the cell phone, all these things, God, that will perish. Oh, forgive us, God. Lord, now that we've checked our hearts and I feel a clear conscience to pray, I ask, God, you to bless us. And that you show us what to do, God. And I know you wouldn't have given us a plan if you weren't going to fulfill it. So, Lord, we pray that you would bless every family here. Lord, those looking for jobs, those that are, are underemployed or unemployed, supply their need. God, for children that are in need today, bless them here and their children's children, God. We pray for debt to be clear not only in my life, in this church, but in our nation, God. We pray for godly leadership to raise up from this state and to all the other states of our nation, God. That the governors, the president, the congress would get us out of the mess we're in by your wisdom. And now, Lord, we pray for the missions where our hearts sow seed today. We pray for India, northern India, Delhi, and southern India, Coimbatore. We pray for Kathmandu, Nepal. We pray, God, for the southern part of Davao City in the Philippines. We pray for Lagos, Nigeria. Oh, Father God, we lift up to you, God, these nations and these precious people, Lahore, Pakistan, where you have 200 of our churches. We ask you to bless them, provide for them as you do for us. In Jesus' name, can everybody say amen? Amen. Let's say what the Paul said to man. One, two, three. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Will you come rejoicing as you give today? Let's break poverty off this church in Jesus' name. Lack be gone. Blessings come in Jesus' name. skip over the what do you believe today because of the baby dedication. Would you open up your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. I just want to thank everybody for coming this morning, all of our guests, our families uh, that came for the baby dedication. We hope we get to see you again. And uh, there is a welcome center in the back. You can get more information about us in a cafe with some free refreshments back there. And if you like it today, any visitor, if you like it today, you're going to like it next week because it gets better and better. So keep coming. We thank you for being here. Somebody say this with me. Identity 
in Christ. We talked last week, and this is part two, about your identity in Christ, but many of the times your identity in Christ is confused with an identity crisis. And I know I'm going to be asking you to do some things. I haven't prepared it, but would you uh, keep that, that identity crisis up there slide? Because I want you to think about this. Last week we talked about who the Bible says you are. How many of you were here last week, first of all? Can I hear an amen? Amen. How many of you believe last week what the Bible said? Amen. Was anybody this week challenged on what the Bible said? Let me give you an example of what I mean by this. Last week we learned that we are righteous in Christ, that we are free from our sins. Anybody here in that message, and we don't need you to, uh, and can you mute this please? We don't need you to raise your hand. But anybody last week who heard the message that you are righteous in Christ and sinned, would you raise your hand? Come on. Be honest. We're going to hear what sin you did. My hand going up. Two hands. This one, I was in the airport. That's all I have to say. Was in an airport. If you know me in airports, we don't get along. Okay? We don't get along. Like my wife is like, just settle down. Settle down. Long story, I'm not going to get into it, but I lost my temper. Okay? So all of you guys looking for a perfect pastor, I'm sorry that's not here today. Okay? I'm going to say this again because some of you still got your religious ideas on. But we're going to break through that just a few more seconds here. If you were here last week and you heard me say, the Bible says in Romans uh, and in Corinthians, but the scripture we read was in Corinthians, it said, he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. If you heard that last week and you believed it, somebody say amen. If you heard that last week, believed it, and sinned during the week, last seven days, let me see your hand. Okay, everybody look at your neighbor. They're not raising their hand. They either didn't come last week or they're lying. Okay, now let me just go through this. Our identity in Christ sometimes becomes a crisis. Because God says, you don't have to sin, but we do sin. God says, you don't have to be afraid, but we do get afraid. God says, we're more than conquerors, but we don't always feel like it. We get scared. God says he's going to provide all of our needs, and we see the bills stack as high as the roof. We don't know if he can do it. Today's message is to back up that principle that your present circumstance does not determine your identity. Would you write that down if you're new or if you love Jesus or if you have a pencil and paper or if you have something in your hand, a a phone, would you just put this in your heart right now? Your present circumstance does not determine your identity. Determine your identity. Okay? I am a Wyrostic today. I'm a rustic. If I acted like a fool and did crazy stuff, my dad may say, son, you are crazy. But am I still a rustic on my ID card? Yes, I am. You, you, you all get what I'm saying? If today you are in Christ, if you have heard the gospel message and believe, as was preached to you earlier today, if you believe that message, when you don't act according to that message, does God disown you? No. Let's make this clear. No. Now, do I believe someone can walk away from their salvation? Yes. Hebrews gives five warnings. I wrote a blog on it. uh, I wrote a paper on it in seminary, and I have it now as a blog. There are five different things you can do to cut yourself off from God. But simply making mistakes and having a sin lapse or a sin in your life does not cut you off at that moment. 
Hebrews says that the continual sin, unrepenteth, will then harden your heart and lead you to unbelief, and then you will trample on the very blood of Christ that once cleansed you. But that does not say I as a Christian, when I sin, at that moment I am now separated from God, unable to be saved. Thus when I repent, I have to be born again again. I'm not being born again, 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 again every time I sin and repent. Are you all listening to me? The process that John says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, he says, I write you these things that you do not sin. So the Christian is not to sin. But if you do sin, he says, we have an advocate, one who speaks to the Father on our behalf. He is our propitiation. He is the propitiation for our sins, which means a substitute, and not only for ours, but for the sins of the world. Can I hear an amen? So what does the life of the believer look like? This is called sanctification, to be made holy. We confess Christ. We are changed. On the inside, what God says about us is true. We are holy. We are now in him, a new creation. The old has passed away. How about I just read this bad mamma jamma for you? Because of Jesus' work on the cross, I am God's masterpiece. I am here to do good works prepared in advance for me to do. That's Ephesians, what you're about ready to read. All my old junk is gone. Everything is new in my my life. My new nature is righteous just like Jesus Christ is righteous. That's first, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Because of the Father's generosity and Jesus' work, I am both spiritually and materially blessed. Jesus has given me every blessing I will ever need. That's in Philippians 4. When I pray and bring thanksgiving, God hears me. Jesus gives me peace beyond my understanding in every trouble situation. Because of Jesus' victory, I am victorious. Jesus gives me victory over each and every situation I face. Romans 8 28 somebody say amen now do you believe that my friends but do you and I always act like that do we always act like our old junk is gone do we always act like our nature is new and righteous do we always act like God is going to provide for every one of our needs do we always act like we trust and believe in God's victory See, what happens in our lives, my friends, it's not just you, it's Paul, it's everybody. You can read any writing, it's all throughout the Bible. We deal with what is called an identity crisis. It's what God says we are, and we don't always believe it, and therefore we don't always act like it. God comes to an old man named Abram, and he says, I'm going to call you now Abraham, father of many nations. But God, I don't have any children. That's about ready to change. But I am old, 75 or 90, and my wife is old with me. Well, she's she's in her 70s too. You're both going to have children. So imagine God showing up to your grandparents, calling them the father of nations and saying, y'all are going to get busy in this nursing home, and you're going to start making babies. I'm going to change your name. Now Abraham thinks God's playing games. So then Abraham tries to figure it out his own way. What does he do? He goes to one of his female servants, and he says, I'm going to have sex with you and make a baby. And by doing that, he has created the the greatest conflict that Israel has ever known with the Arab people, the Ishmaelites. Have no time to get into Islam, Syria, and all that's going on, Bulgaria. That was done because Abraham broke God's word and went out with Hagar and tried to make a promise of God happen because he did not believe his identity that he was what God said he was. Because God said to Abraham, you're going to do this through Sarah. And eventually, what happened? 
Abraham had the firstborn from Sarah. As a hundred-year-old man, him and his wife had a baby, and Isaac became the promise that then brought about the tribes of Israel. And then because of that, Christ Jesus came. And now because of Jesus, all the nations are being saved. Thus, the word that God gave Abraham, you will become the father of many nations, is being fulfilled even today. Some may say amen. But going back to Abraham's moment when he was told by God, you are going to be a father of many nations. You are going to change the world. Did he always believe that? No. Did he always act like that? No. And do we find ourselves in those positions time and time and time again? Yes, we do. We continually doubt what God says, get ourselves in trouble trying to do it our way, and then we go back to God and we say, fix it. We marry maybe the wrong person the wrong way, and then we say, God, fix our marriage. We've been raising our kids on Power Rangers and Pokemon, and then they grow up to become rebellious teenagers, and we say to the youth pastor and God, fix it. We've been spending our money all the last decade on 65-inch TVs, new cars, and house payments we couldn't afford. And then we say, God, bless America. And we get into this identity crisis as believers, and I believe today we need to know who we are. And you need to stand on that, and then when those times come, we need to act differently. We need to learn from Abraham's example and go, I don't want to do what Abraham did and act out of my flesh right now and mess this thing up. I would rather do it God's way. Somebody say God's way is the best way. Amen. Now, if you're with me in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, somebody say I'm there. Amen. I'm going to wait for you. Some of you aren't there yet. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. This is going to be our opening scripture. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. I'm going to read that again. If you could uh, follow me along now today. We're used to PowerPoints, but I told myself these next couple of months, we're just going right off the Holy Ghost uh, cuff out the bakery piping hot. Here it comes. No notes, baby. The young preacher, you get excited about that, don't you do? Brother Jerry. Here we go. For we are God's workmanship. Somebody say, I'm God's masterpiece. That's what it means. God worked on you to make you who you are, created in Christ Jesus. Jesus died on the cross so you could become what you are, to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, this is our identity. Do we become God's workmanship when we die and get to heaven? When does it start? Now. When does God work on your attitude and make it right for good works? Now. You get rid of stinking thinking. Now, somebody just nudge their husband or wife right now and just go now. Come on, if you're sitting next to him right now, just go now. Come on. Yes, it starts now. When do good works start? In heaven, do we start doing good things like blessing our enemies, forgiving those who have sinned against us? Do we start doing that in heaven or do we do it now? Okay, now, when you hear all the good things you're supposed to do, how you're supposed to bless your enemy, you're supposed to bless that person who cuts you off in traffic, you're supposed to pray for that one who despitefully uses you on your job to get their own promotion. They use you. You know what? You're supposed to pray for them now. When I tell you that you're supposed to bless and love enemies and forgive, you might now think to yourself, you might begin to think to yourself, I can't do that. Here's the revelation. You can't do that. You can't. You are born a sinner. 
That's why you have to be born again. God to work in you and create in you the ability to do that. So how do we do the good works that are in front of us called the commands of God? Relying upon God in us and the power of Jesus Christ. So now the commands of God are not a slap against our tushy or a sarcasm to the Lord like, yeah, I told them to bless their enemies. Yeah, good luck, guys, down there. No, now the commandments of God become doable because God is in us, working through us, giving the power to fulfill his word. They're not a burden. They're a blessing, and we can fulfill every one of them. How do I not lust anymore? Do I not lust in my flesh like I'm going to, you know, do what the old monks used to do? When they would feel lust, they would put their hand over a candle and burn their hand. I saw a picture in one of my seminary books, a guy with his fingers and his hand missing. Guy was lusting all the time, poor dude. He's trying to figure it out in the flesh. I'm going to poke my eyes. They would poke their eyes out. And they would still have just as much dirty thoughts as they did before. How do you get those dirty thoughts out of your mind? You let Romans chapter 12, the Spirit of God, transform you, metamorphosize by the renewing of your mind. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. If there's anything pure, praiseworthy, think upon these things. Cast down every imagination and thing that lifts itself up against God. Put on the spiritual armor, shield of faith, the sword of the Spirit. You whoop the devil. You cast out temptation. And you live holy. We do it by God, God in us. He promises us you will overcome temptation. You will. Why? Because God created me in Christ Jesus to do good works. And did I surprise him when I got saved at the altar? Oh, my goodness, Joe, he actually got saved, guys. This is Jesus talking, by the way. Oh, he got saved. What do we do? I don't know. Let's have them plant churches in the craziest place we can think of. New Orleans, send them there. No, when I got saved, Jesus was like, right on time. And I've got a lot of good things for you to do. I created before you were ever even born. I got good stuff for you to do right now. But I don't know how to do good stuff. I'm a drug dealer. I'm messed up. I've created you to do it. I'll transform your mind. I'll give you power to fulfill what I've told you to do. And every single person here today, the moment you got saved, it wasn't a surprise in heaven, though it was a party they celebrated. When you got saved in heaven, Jesus said, come on, let's fulfill your purpose. Every good work has been prepared in advance for you to do, and every tool to accomplish that work has already been given to you. If you believe it, can you say amen? Now, as we look at our confession of faith, and we hear those things that God is doing in our lives, the problem is now there's a battle. So part two, that was the introduction. Somebody say introduction. Amen. The introduction is this is who God made you and I to be. But we have a battle now. Joyce Myers wrote a book about this called The Battlefield of the Mind. The Battlefield of the Mind by Joyce Myers. I want you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1. I want to show you that this battle is now waging. Your identity in Christ is being challenged every day by Satan. You, who you are and what you're here to do, Satan does not like at all. 
You know why Adam and Eve were tempted by the devil in the beginning? He was already cast out of heaven. Why don't you just go do your own thing, dude? Why did he have to come and mess with Adam and Eve? Because we had the imago Deo. It's Latin, the image of God. We had in us that which reminded him of the God who kicked him out of heaven, and he wanted us to lose that image. He wanted to deceive us with our own greed, with our own selfishness, to eat of a tree that God told us not to do so that we would lose that image. Now after we have sinned and you look at 6,000 years of human history, how is man today? When you look at man generally, generally when you look out across the world, mankind, do you see the exact representation of God on this earth? When you go to the airport and you work with one of them people, do you see in their attitude the exact representation of God on this earth? Do you see in your boss the exact representation of God on this earth? Hello, somebody. Why? Because that image has now been corrupted by sin. We don't act like our daddy in heaven anymore, do we? We don't talk like him. We curse. We don't tell the truth like him. We lie. We're not pure like him with the opposite sex. We're adulterous. We're not kind to enemies. We're vengeful, revengeful, and spiteful. We're not forgiving. We are bitter. And so Satan now looks across this world, and you can look at Job as an idea of how it still goes on today. And he looks across this world and he goes, look at your creation. Look at how dirty and filthy they are. But I thank God for Jesus Christ because he stands in our place and he says, look at how righteous I am and look at the blood that I shed for them. They are cleansed. Their sins will be remembered no more. And when somebody calls out on the name of Jesus, Satan is defeated. Jesus is exalted. And the thief only came to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came to give us the abundant life. And when you accept Jesus, you have the God kind of life living on the inside of you. And there's no weapon formed against you that will prosper. And you live so holy, so on fire for God in this world, people around you will think you're an alien, a stranger from another planet, and when they look at you crazy, you can just say, I'm just visiting, baby. My home's up in heaven. My daddy's in heaven. I got a new identity. Well, I know who you used to be. I know where you were born. Baby, I got born again. I'm not who I used to be. I'm new in Christ. My old has passed away. That's what we say back to the devil. That was to help you get to 2 Corinthians 10. Are you there? Because now that same old devil, now that same old devil, he's not given up. He's seen the redemption of the saints. He was there at the cross. He has seen the image of God restored to you and I, and he does not like it. He is not going to now allow us to be born again and just live with a bubble around us. Well, I guess I lost on the cross. I guess I was defeated. Might as well just let them live 70 years of bliss down here. Is that the devil you know? Is that the Satan you've been attacked lately by? Is that how he acts? The Bible says he is a roaring lion. He will not let up on you. As a matter of fact, when some of you got saved, the yellow brick road did not come out to meet you. You got met by the gravel hard road. You started seeing everything in your life fall apart. You started seeing people turn on you. And the reason is is because the devil said to his demons, let us stop them now. Let us discourage them now. The Bible tells the parable of four seeds being sown. And one of them, as it starts to grow up, the sun comes down and scorches it so it dies. The devil says, put so much pressure and heat on this little born-again believer that they give up. They don't believe who they are anymore. 
And they struggle in their sin until they say, what's the point? See, the devil wants you to be defeated. Jesus came to give you victory. I want you to see 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Lord, help me preach it. By the meekness and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you, I, Paul, who am timid when face to face, but bold when I was away. I beg you that when I come, that I may not be have to be bold as, you, as I expect to be some sort toward some people who think we are to live by the standards of this world. Somebody say, we are not to live by the standards of this world. Thank you. Verse 3, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the, as the world does. Somebody say, I'm at war. Thank you. Verse 4, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the war, of the world. Help me, Jesus. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Somebody say, demolish strongholds. Thank you. You are at war against strongholds. Now, where are these strongholds coming from? Al-Qaeda, Iraq. Let's see where these strongholds are coming from. Verse 5, we demolish arguments. Somebody say arguments. And every pretension. Everybody say everybody, every, somebody say every thought. I'm so excited to preach. And I got like 14 minutes. Lord, just help me. Can you just stretch forth your hand and say help him? Deep breath. Relax. We demolish arguments. Somebody say arguments. And somebody say every thought. Thank you. That is what pretension means. That sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Who are you fighting? You're fighting your own thoughts. You are your worst enemy. Your thoughts are the thing that you're fighting. And the devil wants to take your doubts, your fears, and blast them back at you until you believe them over God's word. Somebody say, the devil's a liar and so am I. Come on, the devil's a liar and so am I. I, I, I don't think I have power to delete BigHooters.com off my internet. You don't have the power to delete BigHooters.com. See, the devil loves to back up those lies in your heart. But you know what you do? You take captive that thought. You come here, you little dirty thought. I will live holy, and I will delete this, and I will take it captive, and I will demolish it, and I will crush it, and I'll spit on it, and I'll blow it up. You looking at me crazy. Somebody needs to get free. Somebody needs to take hold of some of the thoughts in your mind that are being yelled at to you by the devil. You need to take a hold of them by the authority of Jesus Christ and demolish them. Take them captive. You don't have to do everything you think. You should do. I'm going to say that again. You and I do not have to be impulsive on every thought and say, well, I got to do that because I thought I thought about slapping somebody. I better do it. I thought about arguing with my wife. I better do it. You know what I'm talking about, husbands and wives. It's just steaming over when they get home. I'm going to tell them this. and I'm, He should have he cleaned the house when I was gone. All I asked him to do is watch the kids. And Hello. I'm going to tell them because I've been thinking about it, and if I've been thinking about it, it must be right. You better guard what you're thinking about. You better take some of those thoughts captive. Well, I was, you know, born an angry person. My dad abused me, and, you know, I, I do my best, but, hey, you know, when I lose my temper, I slap my kids sometimes. They should just forgive me. And we begin to make these excuses and say, you know, this is who I am because I have these thoughts. 
like as if the three-pound cantaloupe in between our ears is now greater authority than the God who created this entire universe. Listen to me, Bubba. If he gave you the heart and mind you have today, he can change you into a pure heart and mind. If he can build you and create you, he can recreate you. And what is hell? Hell, and, and I don't mean this lightly, but it's God's trash. Hell, listen to me, it will scare the hell out of you listening to this. Hell is God's trash because it's for those who say, no, I ain't changing. I like just who I am. And I don't want to hear who you say I'm supposed to be. I want to stay just the way I am. God says you've made your, your choice. You don't come here. And therefore, by not being where he is, you get sent to hell. And hell is the inferno. It was literally taken from the Greek word Gehenna, was where they threw their trash in the Greek culture of Rome, uh, excuse me, of Jerusalem, when they would have stuff like how we have our dumpsters and our, our garbage gets picked up in refinery pla plants. They would take their garbage and throw it in a valley called Gehenna, and they would burn it there. And sometimes they would take their pets there and burn it there. And then if homeless people didn't have enough money for a burial, they would burn them there. And so there was this stench that would come from this valley of Gehenna outside of Jerusalem and there there would be worms and maggots inside of flesh of animals and, and, and inside of people that couldn't be buried and when Jesus preached he said if you don't repent that's where you go if you don't change that's where you go if you don't come on this highway that's where this highway is leading you to a place of fire of punishment God's trash because God created us to obey and submit to him. So for those of you thinking right now, oh, my identity in Christ, this is just a self-help message. I'm not really up for this right now. I'm just going to stay the way I am. No, what you're saying to God is flush me out and put me in Gehenna, the trash pile for all eternity. Somebody say, help us, Lord. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 11 tells you about how to fight the armor that you're supposed to put on. This is how you got to fight. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Somebody say he's a schemer. Hello, how many know the devil will be trying to scheme you, lie to you, trick you? For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. How many know if you are pure, it doesn't matter if she strips off her clothes and shakes them all over. You can stay pure because you're not fighting flesh and blood. You're fighting a spiritual battle, and you can turn the head, gentlemen, and think about Jesus on the cross. See, we've been out to Mardi Gras. They strip. They act wild and crazy. And those of us there with the pure heart, the Bible says we can remain pure. Now, that doesn't give you any excuse to look at it because the looking at it and gazing at it will begin to put lust in your heart to desire it. But the devil cannot just stain your garments by throwing junk at you in this world. You are fighting against his powers, and you can stand against him. Somebody say amen. You can stand. I'm going to deal a lot with men here. You can stand against him when you're just on the Internet, and you didn't ask for it, but it pops up, and it's a temptation to the pornography. So you can hit delete because God is with you. That's what I'm talking about. When you get an enemy, make it real to everybody here. When you get tempted for any sin and it pops up in your heart, you can hit delete. Amen. Just look at your neighbor and say, delete it. Because our, our battle is not just against people. It's not against people. It's against the devil trying to take us down by our own thoughts. Verse 13, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when, your evil, when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. Somebody say, stand your ground. Thank you. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then. And he lists out the armor of the Lord, the belt of truth. So the belt of truth, it, it, it's what holds your, your, your armor together. It's truth. That's the center part. What God says is true. 
Everybody say, it's true. Amen. Breastplate of righteousness. What guards your heart? The righteousness of Christ. And I wish I could preach on this all day. Your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. That means the gospel guides everything you do in life, putting God first and then filtering everything out. And everywhere you go, you will be at peace. If you're messy, you need to change your shoes, darling. Come on. You need to put on the gospel and be led by the gospel, not by what you see on Jersey Shore. Somebody say amen. Because that will not bring you peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith. So how do we extinguish the flaming arrows of the enemy? By the shield of faith. So when the devil's shooting all of those lies and attacks saying, you're not this, you're still jacked up, you can't change, you can't live a victorious life. Faith says, yes, I can. Jesus said I can. I will even if I don't feel like it because my present circumstance does not determine my identity. What Christ says about me is true. I believe it. That settles it. Get behind me, Satan, in Jesus' name. Take the helmet of salvation. How do we guard our mind and our thoughts? With salvation. We are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. He has washed us and saved us by his precious blood. So all condemnation, all thoughts that come against us need to be protected by the salvation he gave us. Anytime the devil reminds you of your past, remind him of his future in the lake of fire. And then what is our weapon? What is the sword of the Spirit? Which is the Word of God? And pray on all occasions. Somebody say pray. You get truth around you. You begin to believe what God says and say, yeah, I'm going to believe this. This is how I'm going to hold up my spiritual pants. I'm going to believe everything God said in that word about me. I'm going to put on a breastplate and guard my heart because it's Christ's righteousness in me that's going to protect me from my own thoughts and the attacks of the devil. I'm going to put on the shoes, the gospel of peace, so that wherever I go, I'm going where God wants me to go, doing what God wants me to do, saying what he wants me to say. I'm putting on the helmet of salvation, guarding my mind against the evil that comes to me from my own thoughts, putting up a shield of faith, the word of God, extinguishing those attacks, those lies of the devil, temptations sent by demons. And then I pull out a sword on attack with the word of God, and I speak that word. I work that word. I walk with that word. I pimp slap devils with that word. Look at your neighbor and say, pimp slap a devil. In Jesus' name, Luke chapter 4, verse 1. Look at your neighbor and say, that was the introduction. Because here's what I want to talk to you about, what Jesus did. Somebody say, what Jesus did. Now, Jesus is the Son of God. He didn't become the Son of God. He has always been the Son of God. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Jesus didn't become God when he was born. He's always been God. The only thing that changed when he was born is God took on flesh. Like we would put on an Earth a space suit to go to space. A human would have to put on a space suit to be out in moon and Mars. He put on flesh as God to be with us humans down here. You all listening to me. God put on flesh walk down here that's the son of God somebody say amen full of the Holy Spirit he returned from Jordan and was led by the spirit in the desert where for 40 days he was tempted by who the devil he ate nothing during those days and at the end of them he was hungry somebody say hungry amen verse 3 the devil said to him if you are the son of God tell this stone to become bread I need you all to hear that today. Jesus himself was tested in his identity. Just get that in your heart right now. 
That's why I just need a five minute. I'm going to go a little bit over, but just, just help me preach it right here. The devil tested Jesus. How much more do you think he's going to test you and me? Well, if you're the pastor of this church, then you should have a 1,000 people here. See, the devil tells me that all the time. You should have more money here if you're really anointed. See, the devil knows right where you are the weakest. If you were really a woman of God, all your children would be serving God. If you really could pray, you would have a job right now. If you really were called into ministry, you would have people saved right now. See, the devil loves to find the most weakest point of your life. Well, if you were really set free, you wouldn't be lusting right now. If you were really a new person, you wouldn't be angry right now. And he always wants to tell us to do something that proves it to him and will look good in our own eyes. Well, if you're the son of God, if that's really who you are, well, then go ahead and, and make these stones become bread. Could God, the creator of the universe, could he have done that? Yes, he could have. But why wouldn't he? Why did he not stoop so low to where Satan was trying to test him? Is because he already knew who he was. He already knew who he was. He didn't have to prove nothing to anybody. And so when the devil says to you, if you were really a man of God, you would have a job right now, and you wouldn't be suffering the way you are. And, and, and if you were a man of God, you would go right now, and they would give you that first job. You would get hired. And the devil wants to set up what would seem like a decent request for God. And when it doesn't happen, you walk away going, oh, man, maybe I'm not who God says I am. But we're supposed to hear those temptations of the devil and go, devil, shut up. I am who God says I am. And when God opens a door for me to have a job, I'll have a job. And when God saves my daughter, my daughter will be saved. And when a 1,000 people show up on Sunday, that's when a 1,000 people will be there. I don't need to pressure God. I don't need to put it on myself like Abraham to make it happen. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to believe who I am. He, the Bible says right here, it is written, man does not live on bread alone. He said the word of God back to the devil, and he told the devil, you want me to make bread? I don't just need bread. I I need the word of God to live off of he said devil you will not trick me in this he said you want me to get focused on an earthly problem I know who I am and Jesus of the father is with me and he will supply all my needs keep going the devil then took him on a high place showed him an instant all the kingdoms of the world and he said to him the devil speaking I will give you all uh, I will give you all authority and splendor for it has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want so if you worship me, it will all be yours. Could you imagine Jesus, the Son of God, falling for this and worshiping Satan? But you notice he doesn't argue with Satan and say, no, Satan, you don't have authority. No, Satan had the authority. He's called the God of this world. When Adam and Eve sinned, we gave that authority to Satan. And at that time, until the redemption of Christ on the cross, it was still in his hands. That's the authority Jesus had to take back on the cross as this pure, spotless blood of the Lamb. Are you listening to me? So the devil says, here's an easy way around it, Jesus. I'll give you the authority. Just worship me. Doesn't the devil say that? I'll give you a job. Just don't request Sundays off. Oh, it gets quiet when I preach like that. I'll make sure you have money to pay your bills. Just stop giving so much to the church. 
I'll make sure your children are taken care of. Have them skip youth group and go to choir or not choir practice. Have them go to karate practice. You know how the devil wants your children to be in everything but church? You notice how they're tired throughout the week after they've done everything and now they can't go to church? I hear this all the time from parents. Well, my kids are tired because they were in basketball practice and, and karate and dance and ballet. Let me tell you something. Get them in church and tell them all the rest of that's a, a, an option because church is not an option. Amen? But the devil, that's how he comes. And what does Jesus say back? It is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Now, God, to move quickly, and I pray God will give this to you as you study it. But here it is. The devil then led him to Jerusalem, had him stand on the highest point of the temple. He said again, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. And the devil, even trying to be spiritual, quotes scripture back to Jesus as if he didn't know it. He was the eternal word of God. He wrote it. But now Satan says he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And then Jesus says, do not put the Lord your God to test. Do not test the Lord your God. See, Satan even used scripture to try to confuse Jesus. Do you know that there's a such thing in this world as false teaching? That people can teach you falsely out of the Bible and they'll get you so wrapped up in things that you don't know the up from down? Let me give you an example. There's some teachers that say you need to be so prosperous, you have to have a million dollars, you have to be rich. And people go to these churches and they hear this message and when it doesn't work for them, they've put the Lord to the test and they feel that the Lord did not come fruitful through for them and now they're discouraged and blame it on God when actuality was never meant that way this scripture was not meant for Jesus to try to jump off off of a cliff to bungee jump and angels to save him that scripture meant that he will not be deterred in his purpose that even if he were to trip accidentally angels would keep him on his purpose not for him to go bungee jumping with the angels are you listening Bottom line is this. When Jesus was tempted, he used the word of God in response. You today are having a battle for your mind and the identity Christ called you to have. You have weapons that are powerful in the Lord that are called to tear down the strongholds, the temptations, the thoughts that you have. These weapons are powerful, and it's the armor of God on you. You then have the sword of the Spirit, the word of God, to give back to the devil every time you face temptation. Write down these three things when you're facing an identity crisis. What to do? Number one, read the word of God. Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Encourage yourself in those promises and what God said to you. Number two, speak the word of God. Uh, Proverbs 18.21 says that by the power of your words, you'll eat good things or bad things. Speak good things and the things of God over your life. And number three, obey the word of God. Psalms 119.9-16, I'm going to read it to you here. This is what David says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, O Lord. If you want to praise him, would you stand to your feet and give him some praise right now? Come on, somebody. If you believe you're victorious, if you believe you're more than a conqueror, let's give him glory. Ben, would you come? Oh, just stretch your hands out right now towards heaven and say, help me, Jesus. Come on, help me to believe what you said, God, is true. Come on, put on the belt of truth right now, Jesus. We believe this today. If you came into this church 
and you're fighting against sin and you feel like you're losing that battle, confess your sins right now to the Lord. It doesn't matter if you're a new believer or a veteran believer. Right now, confess, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come on, hands raised. Those of you living holy day to day, confessing when sin comes in your life, ask the Lord to bring you to greater heights in his glory. Ask God to use you. Ask God to keep you in the forefront of the people you're around so they can see an example. Come on, hands raised. Come on, worship him in your own way. As the band is coming up here, altar workers, would you come? We're going to close quickly. Just a few moments to get this word in your spirit. Jesus. Oh, God, we're your masterpiece. We're who you said that we are despite any situation we're facing. I want to give you a few moments just as the band is playing right now to think about what God said about you. Would you put the confession up there? Thank you, brother. Some of you can look at it as you're praying. Get it in your heart today. Get it in your heart today. Come on, Ben. I just need a song in the background. Help me out, please. You don't have to sing it. Just play it. I just want you to spend a few moments right now, congregation, before we dismiss talking to the Lord. Jesus loves you, has a plan and purpose for you. He said good things about you because you today are in Christ. And if you are facing an identity crisis, confess to the Lord your weakness and ask him to tell you once again who you are. Come on, 60 seconds before we leave out of here. It's your time right now. Breakthrough happens when you want it bad enough. Come on, do you really want God to change you? Lift up your hands and say, God, change me. Do you really want to be delivered from stinking thinking? Say, God, wash the junk out of my heart. Do you want to be given power to tear down every stronghold? Come on, raise your hands and worship. Say, Lord, give me the power by the Holy Spirit to tear down every stronghold, every weapon formed against me. Lord, I believe what you said about me. I believe what you said. Come on, some of you want to do some spiritual warfare, 30 more seconds with the preacher coaching you today. You're not alone. Come on, whoop on the devil a little bit. If he's been whooping on you this week, give him the word of God. Say, devil, get your hands off my family. Me and my house will serve the Lord. Get your hands off my finances. He shall supply all my needs. Get your hands off my temper. I will be at peace. I will be patient. I will have joy. Get your hands off my emotional progress. I won't be depressed anymore. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is my strength. Woo! 15 seconds. Everybody, anybody? Come on, Jesus. Man, just give me some vocals with worship. Lift up a new song. Come on, some of you just lift up a cry. Death couldn't hold yes, you Lord. down. Yes, Lord. We're gonna lift our voice. Hallelujah. We're gonna make Come on, just sing it out today. Loud. Make it a declaration. He's been defeated. He's been defeated. Death couldn't hold That's you That's your victory down. in Christ gonna today. We're gonna lift our voice in, in victory. victory. We're gonna make our praises. Come on, one more time. The enemy's been defeated. Thank you, Jesus. Death couldn't hold you down. We're going to lift our 
voice in victory. Hallelujah. We're gonna make our praises. I know some of you need to go, so we'll dismiss. With your head bowed and eyes closed, I'm just gonna pray a prayer, a blessing. This will be up online in a couple of days. Listen to it again. Share it with friends. But if you just want another touch from God, I got prayer workers up here who want to pray with you to get you free, to get you living the life that you know God has for you. And if you're here and you're just hungry and you don't need necessarily prayer, but you just want to go big for God, we're going to keep worshiping to that song. I want you to stay. But those who have to go, go in peace. I'm going to pray a dismissal and let God guide you in what you do. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us your word, that you have told us who we are. We believe it, God, even though we face challenges. And, Lord, I thank you that some are going to get free at this altar now. Others are going to take freedom out of here. Lord, I pray whatever we do, we do it for you and bring us back together, God, in your name, free and prosperous and victorious. In Jesus' name, can everybody say amen? Amen. Can you bless him? Amen. Slap your neighbor high five and say you are who he says you are. God bless you. Band is going to play. The prayer workers are going to pray. And we'll see you at Life Groups. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. Death couldn't hold you down. We're going to lift our voices.